Holy cow. Uh, I don't know about you, but I didn't feel comfortable with just the plexiglass. So I have been sealed in our isolation chamber and I, of course, have been wearing the mask. But now that the debate is over, I think it's uh, safe enough to come on out and talk a little bit about the most important debate in the history of the world. Uh, we've got some great guests, including Don Jr. joining us in just a minute. Hello, America, and welcome to Blaze TV's uh, coverage of the vice presidential debate. Uh, my commentary, I'm going to give you just a, a few highlights. Then we have Don Jr. Uh, going to be joining us uh, from Dallas in just a minute. Also, Dave Rubin. Uh, oh, Don's ready to go. I thought we would have to stall for a few minutes, but he's ready to go. Uh, Donald Trump Jr., uh, l before I say anything, let me get your reaction. What'd you think? I, 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 man, he just destroyed her and he did it with a smile on yep. his face. He had an answer for everything. He called out the lies when it was appropriate. He kept his cool. He pointed out to the, you know, the cold hard facts of Joe Biden's failed 47 years in the Washington DC swamp. He called out Kamala Harris's disastrous uber leftist record in the senate uh and the disaster that that would mean for the american people and and he did it with a smile on his face and you could see just the cringe uh you know on that just the least authentic person in probably american politics <laughs> if not just america period kamala harris and she's just getting destroyed by uh by this guy who just did it in the nicest possible way it was amazing i will tell you she is in a very short burst she seems likable but the longer you watch her, the more unlikable. If if I saw her one more time, say, I'm speaking, I'm speaking. Yeah, you know, she tries. She tries to do the like I'm cute thing, but she overplays it. Oh. But, you know, it's sort of like the fake laugh when she laughs for no reason, and you have that cackle. <laughs> <laughs> so when she's laughing at something that's not a joke that yeah. only she finds funny that no yeah. one else is in on. Uh, I mean, there's really like there's a failure of personality there that's truly sad. It, it's it's sort of embarrassing to watch, and I, you know I think a lot of that was uh, present tonight. But I think more importantly, her refusal to answer uh, real issues, her you know the gibberish she gave us about what they would do about China and holding them accountable, and Joe's dismal record in China, where he sent American jobs abroad for decades. The fact that she wouldn't answer the question about stacking courts, which obviously means. That's totally their plan. They're just not going to say it because it would be negative for them. But if they don't give an answer, uh, at least then when they do it, uh, they can say it's not a lie. So, uh, you know, I think all of that has been exposed and the hypocrisy of the Democrat Party has been exposed. And honestly, I think she was just a charitable choice for BP. And tonight's you know, performance shows just that. Yeah, well, Mike Pence did, I thought, a, an exceptional job um, holding her feet to the fire and still um, being kind and, and gentlemanly um, in uh, in his responses, I, I will tell you the the thing that I liked about Mike Pence, um, and I thought she did a horrible job on this, was the economy. Um, there was just no credibility coming from. I and I wanted Pence to say, I want somebody to say. You guys said this is as good as it's 
ever going to get. We could never create any more jobs. You mocked Donald Trump for saying he was going to create. You said it was impossible. Now we're expecting you to grow it. There's no magic wand for that. Obama. Oh, he did say that. Uh, That that was their plan. There's you know, so he actually brought it up. Mike Pence definitely brought it up. But you know, that's the problem. You know, the media will say, oh, you know, they did a great job growing jobs. They 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 inherited. They got an economy as it just started an uptick from one of the biggest recessions we've seen. A monkey doing nothing would have seen growth that they saw. Yeah. Uh, you know, it didn't take anything to actually see growth. But if their economy was so good and they claimed it was for eight years because of their policies, how come Donald Trump was able to make it skyrocket the second he took over? Mm-hmm. I mean, it literally on November 9th, 2016, before he even took office. But when America knew that Donald Trump had won, when small business and big business alike realized that the person in the White House for the next four years would not be anti-business, would not be for excessive regulation, would not be for excessive taxation. That's when the market started skyrocketing. I mean, Obama gets credit for sort of the period between the election day and when my father took office at the inauguration. But consumer confidence went through the roof. It was like 1,500 points in the market because mm-hmm. they finally knew they wouldn't have an enemy in the White House. I want to play something. Uh, Kamala Harris uh, said... Uh, repeatedly that they would not end fracking but i want to play i want to play something from joe biden july 31st 2019 the democratic primary debate watch you have it i don't i don't see it but i know exactly what you're talking about so we're uh, he says there is no place for any fossil fuels in a biden administration um he 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 was very very clear as President or Vice President Pence pointed out, it's on their website. The Green New Deal is on their website. Yeah, it's, it's one of her number one points. It's one of his number one points. But that's the problem, Lynn. That's sort of what we're up against. The mainstream media knows that. They're not as stupid as they seem, that they would neglect point number one or point number two of his actual platform on his actual website. They just know that highlighting it to the people of Pennsylvania, to the people of Ohio and Michigan and Oklahoma and Texas and places all over the country where that is a huge boost for the economy, where that creates lots and lots, thousands and thousands of good paying jobs. They know it would be a disaster there. So and say that he's not against it, even though it's part of his platform, they will let him have both sides of every argument. I put up a tweet about it literally during the debate because there are not just one example, there are literally countless examples beyond what's on his actual website, beyond what's on his platform, where he's literally reassuring people that he's ending this stuff immediately. What does your dad have to do next week? And do you think Joe Biden is going to show up or is he gonna use COVID as an excuse? You know, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think we got to be able to have a debate where, you know, Joe Biden doesn't get to just spew lies, you know, for, for hours. You know, talking about fake records. I mean, they continue to bring up the Charlottesville hoax. You know, one of the, you know, other than the nonsense with Russia collusion, it's literally, you know, probably the number two hoax ever perpetrated on the American people as though it's gospel. The media runs it. You saw it brought up numerous times last week. You saw it brought up numerous times. You know, literally, uh, they, they get to say that the week after my father literally signs an executive order declaring the KKK is a domestic terror organization. 
uh, but they can run with this stuff. And that's, again, the deficit that we face is we don't have the luxury or the benefit of having a mainstream media that will function as our marketing department, that will sort of mm. you know, pretend we didn't do the, you know, just pretend that this is the case, allow us to get away with anything. We get fact checked. Uh, they don't. Uh, anyone decent, whether it was talking about you know, Joe Biden and his COVID response, whether the idea of keeping travel open from China, whether it's disastrous policies as it relates to China uh, on a trade perspective, whether it's the disastrous handling of Joe Biden of swine flu back in 2009, where even Joe Biden's own head guy, because Joe Biden had a similar role to Mike Pence in leading the response, said, man, we basically got lucky because it was a disastrous response. We did everything wrong. And by the way, they forgot to replenish the PPD after it was over. No one talks about it, just like they don't talk about Hunter Biden and millions of dollars from China and millions from the Ukraine and millions from a Putin associate in Moscow. You know, that's okay. They get a pass for that. The stuff that they dreamed for years that I was doing, Hunter Biden was actually doing. And now that the collusion is on the other foot, no one wants to know anything. But this is what we're up against. And that's why it's so important for the American people to see it. So. But that's difficult because as I was watching this, I was trying to watch this as a low information voter, somebody who's just watched CNN, MSNBC, generally votes for a Democrat, but doesn't really pay attention. They're not seeing any of the facts. How does your father break through? Because they probably weren't watching tonight. How does he break through? I think he has to try with those facts and let them try to contest it later on. And that's our job to be on the ground, actually bringing that message to the American people. I mean, that's why I spend you know, my days literally for the last few months traveling the country, averaging four or five states a day. Because, again, we don't have anyone that's going to campaign for us like Joe Biden does. He has the media that will campaign for him. He doesn't have to leave the basement in Delaware, but for once every couple of days. Uh, we don't have that luxury. We actually have to get out there and spread that message. And then we need our people to organically reach out to their friends, make sure they understand what's at stake, make sure they're getting the true picture of the disastrous policies that would be the radical left agenda that is the Biden-Harris administration, or as Kamala and Joe both referred to it as the Harris-Biden administration. I, um, I don't know what it feels like to be you and your family. Um, I wouldn't trust a single person outside of my own family. Um, I, I said today on radio, and I'd like to see if, if I was even close to accurate. They said that this, um, declassifying of this material was the October surprise. And I said, I don't think that was the October surprise. Um, I don't think that was intended as the planned as the October surprise. I think Donald Trump was pissed that nobody is nobody is doing anything about this. All of yeah. this information is there, and he just trusts the American people, and he just said, screw all of you, release it. Release it and unredacted so the American people can see it. Was I right? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I agree. You know, I haven't spoken to him specifically about it. I think he's been talking about it for a long time. And, you know, the reality is this. You see that from the upper echelons of the FBI and the CIA. And they're trying to pretend that there's some sort of magical trade secrets. The trade secret is that they were all in on it, Glenn. The trade secret is that they all knew. And they did it on purpose. Is anyone in the world dumb enough to think that 27 high-level lawyers 
and prosecutors at the FBI all magically deleted their cell phones by accidentally typing in the wrong password 15 times. <laughs> no one's that stupid. Uh, you know, it, it is truly a sad state of affairs, though, when you have a country like the United States of America in the year 2020, when no one in the supposed free press has any interest in even finding out the truth now. They're actually rallying against transparency. They're rallying against transparency. You would think transparency is sort of part of their job description, but they're rallying against it because it, they know it hurts the Democrats who are in on it. They know it hurts these corrupted, criminal bureaucrats at the upper echelon of our intelligence community and our law enforcement community and the FBI. This stuff would never fly. If George W. Bush did this to incoming President Barack Obama, this would make Watergate look like a minor blip in American history. It does. And they tried to they tried to they tried to say the question was, when did the president know and when did he know it um, or what did he know and when did he know it? That was the mantra during Nixon. We now have evidence and documents in their own handwriting that the president of the United States and Joe Biden knew about this, actually orchestrated this this hoax uh, with Hillary Clinton and the uh, help of uh, our intelligence agencies. And again, no one does anything. If the president is reelected are we going to see people going to jail for this? Because we don't have a republic. I, I, I sure hope so. You know, that, that's the problem is, you know, when they're like, well, it's your DOJ. Well, you can appoint someone to run it at the top. But if the underlings are all Obama holdovers and they're still doing his bidding, uh, it's hard to get things done. You see that right now. You see that, frankly, you know, in, in many of these institutions where they'll sort of start leaking stuff out. They'll make bad decisions that they know is against the will of the administration, but they'll put it out because they know it'll do some damage and maybe... The issue is small enough that it'll skirt under the radar uh, you know, of the president who's dealing with a pandemic, who's dealing with China, who's dealing with Iran, who's dealing with you know, bigger issues. And so you know, that's sort of systemic in there. I think that's their hope. I think that's what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to stall it. You hear what's going on at the CIA and the people there supposedly trying to stall this information. Why wouldn't the American people need to know this? Uh, these are American actors colluding with a known Russian spy to create a disinformation campaign that the president of the United States and his vice president, who's now running for president of the United States at the top of the Democratic ticket, they all knew. And we're not supposed to find out before the election. I think their hope is that, you know, if they can maybe pull off a win, if they can pull the wool over the eyes of the American people and get a win, maybe this can just go away because that's the history. That's what they've done. They've taken care of themselves. And frankly, Glenn, the Republicans are as guilty of it as anyone. They're more concerned about protecting the institutions of government, despite them being failed, bloated and corrupted, as, as evidenced by everything that's gone on over the last four years that this has been allowed to happen, that it's gone on unchecked, whether it's my father, whether it's General Flynn, whether it's Chris Ray at the FBI sitting on exculpatory evidence for years while they're trying to take down a three star general. Uh, this stuff can't keep going on in America. And if they're not held accountable, I am worried for the republic. Don, I um uh, you had a fundraiser here in Dallas, and for the first time in my life, I wrote a check uh, for a candidate. Um, and when I put it into the hands of the GOP fundraiser, I said, I don't want this going to the GOP. This needs to go to elect Donald Trump, and the rest of it needs to go to the attorneys that are going to do the actual battle after the election. 
Um, I don't trust the GOP, but as a guy who was, as you know, really not for your father, uh, I have tremendous respect for him. What he has done, he is the first president in my lifetime who has actually done all the things that I not only thought he wouldn't do, I don't think any president would do. And uh, we have to win. He's got to be. I, I agree. I, I appreciate your support. And I, I know that's not easy to, to understand. And by the way, as you know, as we've discussed, you know, in 2016, I could actually understand a lot of skepticism. If you were a conservative, if you were pro-life, if you were pro-religious, you know, is the brash billionaire from New York, is he really going to fight for you? Is he really going to go to bat? Now, in 2020, the answer is unquestionably. He did it much more so than people who were much more vocal about these issues. By the way, not only did he do that, he got us out of endless wars. He's signing peace deals in the Middle East. He grew the strongest economy has ever known. He renegotiated failed trade deals that people like Joe Biden, who wouldn't know what to do with a trade deal, uh, you know, if they spent another 50 years working on it because they had no experience outside of government wherever done, he's renegotiated those. He's got trade deals done even with China, and he'll hold them to tap. He's the guy that can bring us out of this. He's the guy that can do it again. And honestly, I, you know, I, I understand the history there, and it, it means a lot that you understand that and you recognize that and that you've been frankly, so open about it, because that's not, that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, and, and and it's amazing to see. So we, we really appreciate it. Thank you, Glenn. Don, thank you very much. We'll talk again. Um, and the best uh, to the health of your uh, of uh, your father and also Melania and the whole family. Thank you very much. All right. We have uh, Ali Stuckey coming up in just a second. Also, uh, who's on next? D Dave Rubin is coming up. But we have Steve Dace. Uh, coming up. Let me just take a one minute uh, break here and tell you about Goldline. I don't know about you, but uh, if the president doesn't win, uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen to the economy. Uh, I have a feeling I know. Disaster. Um, but uh, it's why I have been working with Goldline for a very long time. And I know people have called me crazy and everything else for saying gold. Um, but, uh, you know, the first time I recommended it, uh, I think it was I think it was like one hundred and twenty eight dollars an ounce or two hundred. It was right around there. I don't know. It's worked out pretty well as an investment, but that's not why I buy it. I buy gold or silver because I truly, truly believe in the time of insanity and endless spending and Green New Deals, your dollar is not going to be worth anything. If the left puts us into chaos during this election, our dollar could spiral out of control and somebody has to have something remaining to be able to... Uh, Help us build again. Call Goldline now. They're running two separate specials at the same time. They've never offered something like this before. But with the election looming, they want to give their clients a choice that they deserve. Call out, call them now and find out about which one is right for you. It's evening, so they're closed. But you'll, you can leave a message or you can go to goldline.com and enter your information. They'll give you a call back first thing in the morning. Please do your homework on this and, and, and call them. Please. We have Four weeks, I believe, to prepare. 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Okay. We have uh, Ali Stuckey and, um, and we have Steve Dace with us. Ali, first, let me get your take on 
on how it went. What do you think? I thought Mike Pence did a really good job. He is the best surrogate for the Trump campaign that the Trump campaign has. He does such a good job of remaining calm and self-assured and respectful while Kamala Harris is giving her sass the entire time he remained composed, something that Donald Trump could not do. Donald Trump just did not have the timing with trying to correct the record against Joe Biden and Chris Wallace. But um, Mike Pence played it really well. I actually just saw a tweet that said Kamala Harris spoke for four minutes more in the debate than Mike Pence did. But you wouldn't think that because mm-hmm. Mike Pence packed such a punch in so, every line that he gave. Uh- um, so I think he did a great job. Allie, did you feel that way at the beginning? At the beginning, I was watching Mike and I thought, oh, he's, he's not really answering the question and he's doing all the typical political, you know, well, thank you. And well, let me just first say this. Uh, and right. it seemed smarmy, almost smarmy, just the first couple of answers. And then all of a well, sudden there- he hit and uh, it he was a different guy. It worked. Yeah. Did you feel that yeah, way? There, there were a couple questions like that. There was actually one question where he gave like formalities and uh, kind gestures to Kamala the entire answer. And he never actually got to respond to what she said. And I'm like, what are you doing? That's mm-hmm. just unnecessary. I don't think that it's smart when it comes to him. I think that, you know, he, no, it, it is. Seems- it's just him. Yeah, it's just who he is. But um, those pleasantries certainly were not given by Kamala Harris. And maybe he would have had a little bit more time to hit back if he didn't do that. But all in all, I think he did a really good job. Um, As a woman, how did Kamala Harris look to you? Uh, Because says she looked condescending. Uh, You know, I like her for about two minutes and then it just all falls apart on her. It was the opposite of Mike Pence. Right. The more time you spend with her, the less you like her. And the yeah, whole, I'm talking, is- I'm, excuse me, excuse me, Allie, I'm still speaking. Okay? Right. That was right. so obnoxious. Well, yes, I'm not just a fellow woman. I am also a woman who portrays my emotions and my reactions on my face and who really has to work on not doing that at times when it's not appropriate. Sometimes it can be charming and funny when it is appropriate. A lot of times, though, it's just not cute. It's not appealing. It's not appeasing to the people who are watching you. That's how I felt the whole time she was talking because Mike Pence was so respectful and deferred to her so much that her contrast made her look really petty and really insecure. And to me, it came across as embarrassed. And then I was embarrassed for her that she was overcompensating by these ridiculous facial expressions. So I understand the the need to communicate sass sometimes, but I also understand that there's a time and a place and to not tonight was not the time or the place for uh, that sass. Um, let's go to Steve. Uh, Steve, I want to talk to you before you leave. I need to talk to you about the latest poll uh, because I want to get your opinion on it. But I want to first get your take on um this debate well glenn i i I didn't come into this the biggest mike pence fan Uh, i thought he really blew it on the religious liberty issue in his state uh uh, as when he was governor Uh, his task force has been a disaster with fauci and burks for the white house but i think tonight uh especially the last hour i thought it was one of the most dominant and complete debate performances i have ever seen from a republican on any 
uh, running for any level of office. Uh, I think he just, it was the JV versus the varsity. Uh, he completely outclassed her. Uh, you saw why she couldn't even make it to the Iowa caucuses. Uh, she dropped out two months before they took a single vote in the Democratic primary. Uh, she's just not ready for prime time. And after he bombed the opening question on coronavirus, uh, he allowed her to get away with the lie that Trump called it a hoax. That's not true. Not Even AP debunked that last week. He let her get away with it twice, and I kind of rolled my eyes and thought, "Here we go with my, you know, this is kind of why I've yep. got a, a bit of a, I'm a, a bit of butt hurt where Mike Pence is concerned." But after that answer that Ali just addressed, where he wasted too much time uh, with with pleasantries, once he dispensed with that, and they got to the issues, and the pivot point of this event tonight was that when they pivoted to the economy. Yep. And that answer that he gave on the economy absolutely wrecked the entire Biden campaign message. And it showed what, what I've said for years, Glenn. When elections are about issues, Republicans win. When they are about personalities, Democrats win. If this is going to be a referendum on mean tweets and orange man bad, Donald Trump is toast. If it's going to be a referendum on whose policies are best for the future of the country, then the Biden team is toast. And it's up to the, the, the Trump team to make sure that they are on message so that the debate is about issues. And it was tonight, and it needs to be next week if they're fortunate to have another one. I completely agree with you. The turning point was the second set of questions. I thought Pence would do a great job on coronavirus because he had the facts. He was there. I thought he just blew that. I, I, I was exactly where you were. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And then he hit the economy and he dragged the economy all the way through the debate. And it was to me, it was so clear the choice. But let me ask both of you, if you're a low information voter, you're probably not watching this tonight. But if you were a low information voter and you got your news from the mainstream media, why would you believe Mike Pence? What I thought Mike Pence did well is he made the issues about the people and not himself. And I think that this is the razor's edge that Donald Trump is always riding, Glenn, in that uh, he has not sold real estate. Real estate is not what has made Donald Trump a billionaire. It's selling Donald Trump that has been. Yes. He is the product. And that's both good and bad. And I say this as someone who also has, uh, you know, uh, a bombastic uh, personality that can grate on people that would that should like me. And I annoy anyway. So I get it to some extent. But I think Pence w w is, is not encumbered by the notion there's more self-awareness there. He knows that he is not the product. And I think that he stayed away from rabbit trails that we care about, like Hunter Biden and stuff like that, for the most part. And he talked about issues that people cared about. The way that he hammered home, hey, answer the question. Are you going to disregard the Constitution and stack the court? He hammered home issues that actually matter to voters. And I think sometimes, you know, you see that we, we, both sides have their own media bubble and don't often get outside of that and forget about the voters you're talking about. And that was my frustration when I was down there with you guys last week, is those are the people that are going to decide this now. And I don't think Donald Trump made himself accessible to those voters at all. I think tonight Mike Pence did a far better job of that. So let's go to cut 28. Here is Kamala. Uh, Pence is very, very clear. Are you going to pack the court? Yes or no? Cut 28. Kamala skirts that question. In 1864, one of the, I think, political heroes, certainly of the president, I, I assume if you also, Mr. Vice President, is Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln was up for re-election. And it was 27 days before the election. 
and a seat became open on the United States Supreme Court. Abraham Lincoln's party was in charge not only of the White House, but the Senate. But Honest Abe said, it's not the right thing to do. The American people deserve to make the decision about who will be the next president of the United States. And then that person can select who will serve for a lifetime on the highest court of our land. And so Joe and I are very clear. The American people are voting right now. And it should be their decision about who will serve on this most important body for a lifetime. Allie, is there anyone that talks down to people more than Kamala Harris? Is it just me? I felt like you know who it that was. That was Abraham Lincoln. I just felt like, yeah. why are you talking down to me? Yeah, yeah, she has an issue with that, not just with her words, but with her facial expressions. And that's exactly why she couldn't even win the primary in her own state. This is why she dropped out. I'm watching this. I actually predicted uh, a couple of years ago, I predicted, you know, I could see Kamala Harris being the Democratic nominee because of intersectionality. Then in the primary, I was so wrong. And I was like, how could I have gotten this so wrong? And then I was watching the debates and I was like, oh, I remember. She's so deeply unlikable. But this part made me laugh out loud. She stomped her foot and she laughed maniacally. And then she answered this question while in 1864. And she thought this was so clever. I thought this was the most humiliating point of the night. Worse than uh, Mike Pence's pleasantries, worse than him avoiding the question on coronavirus and, and maybe missing some punches toward her. I thought this was humiliating. My, I had secondhand embarrassment. I was laughing out of embarrassment just because of her refusal to answer the question and her answer, which wasn't even a good distraction at all. Um, it was a terrible choice to tell that story, just a terrible rhetorical choice. And I think it, I don't think talking about the voters and what actually appeals to the voters, I don't think that story of Abraham Lincoln, I don't think a lot of people were tracking with it. I think a lot of people were just really confused when she answered the question, are you going to pack the court with, well, in 1864, I think people just lost her. <laughs> and it, it wasn't even related to packing the court. You know, I mean, it was... It was, she came at it, she was so excited. Oh, I'm glad you asked about history. She, that was a planned answer. Yes. Wow. Wow. Right. right. She was so excited about it because she was going to bring up a Republican that she knew. I, I thought it was weird that she said, I know that this is a hero of the president. Is it? Um, I just thought that the whole thing was so weird. But you're right. The fact that this was pre-planned, she had to look down and read it. She got together with her staff and was like, this is how we're going to answer. This is how we're going to answer the court packing question. Um, but I could tell she was a little bit nervous in saying it. So maybe she even was self-aware enough to realize how stupid it was. I don't know. So you both have said to me that she's deeply unlikable. Mm -hmm. I agree. I and the reason why... Uh, she couldn't even be uh, uh, voted for or uh, elected in her own state of California. She couldn't even win. Um, so why did they pick her? You know, it's a very think, good question. Oh, go ahead. You want to go ahead, Allie. You want to go ahead. Oh, I just have a quick, I mean, I think probably partly because of the intersectionality points there and just to be able to have that kind of like identity 
stake in this race to be able to say that they have, you know, the first woman of color. Um, actually, I don't even, well, yeah, the first woman of color running as the vice presidential nominee. And so I think that's probably part of why it is. And maybe to appease the more radical part of the base, they're showing Joe Biden as the moderate and they're trying to appease both sides with Kamala Harris. That's probably why they picked her. I uh, just want to point out, Allie, that you are a woman of color. You're just not the right color. Oh, that's true. Steve. Just have a lighter shade of melanin. Yeah. Yes. Steve. Uh, to go to the Kamala Harris thing, I mean, first of all, she got she called their nominee a racist. That was her high point of her career. She got absolutely wrecked by Tulsi Gabbard, a candidate that they want to believe, they want to acknowledge is not even in their party. That was the last shot we had of her as a candidate. She had to eject two months before the Iowa caucuses had their first vote. And she's from a state that if Joe Biden just does this for the next 27 days and never says a word, he's going to win by 30 points. Other than that, she has a wonderful singing voice and was a tremendous vice presidential nomination. It's one of the it's the worst running mate choice any party's made since Dan Quayle. She added nothing. Joe Biden was more popular with black voters in their primary than she was. She added nothing. And I go to the end of the debate when the when they brought up the racialist agenda. And I have mixed feelings, Glenn, at best with the virtue signaling on prison reform and everything mm. else. But but. That should have been in her wheelhouse. And Mike Pence took her own rhetoric, ripped off her arm and beat her with it right there <laughs> on the stage at the end. And and that's just that's amateur hour. She's just not good at this. OK, that's just so the reality. I, w I need to end with this question uh, for for you, uh, Steve and Ali. Thank you so much for staying up and, and being with us. Um, but Steve, uh, I sat with a bunch of uh, political people tonight and we were talking about how they're the Biden campaign's not going door to door they're not doing a lot of the stuff that you're supposed to do mm -hmm. and we sat there and said besides the possibility of them just cheating like crazy do they know something that we don't know every step of the way it seems like they're out of touch with Antifa and their support for the burning down of cities. They're out of touch with the Green New Deal. They don't really have a jobs thing. They're out of touch with the mandatory masks. They're out of touch with uh, supporting all of the dictator kind of, uh, you know, moves. And then they're not doing what the hell is what do they know that we don't know? Well, let me ask you a question. If you never looked at a single public poll about this election and only surveyed the environment of what was around you, Glenn, what would you think was occurring right now? I would think this is going to be a landslide for Donald Trump. Yeah. And, and so I think you got to take the polls that are coming from the same media that's lied to you the last few years about Russian collusion and what's a gender and what's a border and what's a criminal. And I think you need to flush those. And then you need to ask, you need to look at some of the polls that I think have had credibility in the past and look at their methodologies. Well, I, wait, I wait, wait, wait. Well, well, tell ahead. me about Rasmussen, because that's, that's the poll that came out today. Rasmussen yeah. has always been leaning Trump. It's always been the most positive for Donald Trump. What happened? Now, listen, if, Ra if Rasmussen is marketing, it worked. They got me to subscribe to their platinum package so I could finally look at their damn methodology. All right. Because I'm a cheapskate. I don't want to subscribe to anything. 
unless it's Blaze TV, of course. Right, right? of course, yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I subscribed to Rasmus and look at their methodology, and I got to their first data point, and I just stopped reading from there. Because they claim that Donald Trump today, in their poll that has Biden winning by 12 points, which, by the way, would be the most impressive victory for a Democrat presidential candidate against an incumbent president in almost 100 years, FDR against Hoover, all right? So they claim Biden's going to win by 12. Their first data point, Donald Trump's only going to win 76% of registered Republicans. Now, he won 88% of them four years ago, Glenn, when guys like you and I set out and didn't vote for him. Now, I don't know about you. I get around the country. You get around the country a lot more than I do. I don't know a single damn person that, that voted for Donald Trump last time and isn't this time. I know scores of people that didn't vote last time for him and are this time. I'm one of them. I know you're yeah, one of them. Yeah, I am too. And so the idea that he's going to get a lower percentage of Republican voters is just nuts. And to put that 76% in context, in the last seven elections, the lowest any Republican has gotten of their own party's vote was in 1992. George H.W. Bush got 73%, but he had Ross Perot on the ticket siphoning off his own support. There is no third party candidate here. D Donald Trump didn't face a primary challenge like George H.W. Bush did from Pat Buchanan. So how, beat him could they have be, how can they be this wrong this time? I don't know. I'll, here's what I know. What I know is I am coming on you. I'm coming on. We're going to do a special show on Blaze TV where I will perform stupid human tricks if Donald Trump only gets 76 percent of the Republican vote on election. That day. show that of you doing stupid. It's not going to happen. It's not going to no. happen. Not going to happen. All right. Thank you both so much. I appreciate Thank you. it. All right, um, we have Dave Rubin coming up in just a second. First, let me just take a minute and thank Keeps uh, for uh, their sponsorship of, of this special program tonight, our coverage. Uh, and Keeps will help you keep your hair. I don't know about you, my dad went bald when he was a senior in high school. And so I grew up with a cue ball of a dad. And I mean, since I was like eight, I was like, I, I'm going to lose my hair. I'm going to lose my hair. I'm going to lose my hair. I was so paranoid. And when I started losing my hair, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be bald. Look at me. Imagine me bald. Bad. Really bad. May I recommend, if you have any of those feelings, or if you're starting to go, oh, my, go to Keeps. Keeps.com. Uh, you can just send a few pictures in of your hair. A licensed doctor will prescribe the right thing for you. You, you don't have to go to the pharmacy. They'll send it right to you. Um, and it's just, you're done. You're done. Keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash save. Make sure you use the slash save. You'll save 50% off your first order of Keeps hair loss treatments. It's the, it's the same stuff. It's just, it's just generic. So it... You keep your hair and your money. Keeps.com slash save. All right, we ready with Dave Rubin? Dave Rubin. Glenn. Glenn. I, this was, I'm, I don't... I'm happier today. I don't know if anybody watched it, but I'm happier today than I was a week ago at the, uh, at the last debate. I thought it was a bloodbath in favor of Mike Pence. Your thoughts? 
Well, before we get to the debate, and that's obviously very important and what we're going to focus on, can I just say I'm feeling very good about my hair game right now and yeah. the amount of product that that takes <laughs> to get that lift. It's a little lower than normal right Tiny. now because it's been a long day. Isn't but, it? It's like, did you, did you ever go through that where you're just freaking out? You're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be bald. I don't want to be bald. Please don't let me be bald. Well, it's it's like an episode of Seinfeld. You know, yeah. you end up you end up like Larry David, basically. I know, and I know. Look, look at the neuroses. But I'd be bald and fat. <laughs> All right. So. Come on now. You've got, a, you've got a very nice tan. You'll be just fine. Okay. Uh, as for the debate, I mean, let me be very, very, very clear about one thing here. I mean, Kamala Harris has got to be the most unlikable vice presidential candidate, perhaps, in, in all of history, certainly in modern times. I can't remember anyone as smug and condescending and belittling and, and someone who demands respect instead of earning respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the way she turned to the vice president so many times when he barely interrupted. You know, these aren't debates in the technical way a debate is supposed to be a debate with real back and forth. They designed these things to not have that. And this, this was doubly not that after what happened uh, mm -hmm. in the presidential debate. Um, but, you know, for the little tiny moments where he jumped in, uh, when she would just bite him like that, it's like, man, people do not like that. And and I said this morning on my, on my pre-debate show, all he had to do to win was not fall out of his seat. And and he basically did much more than that because he came off as someone that Trump is 74 years old. He had coronavirus. We know he likes McDonald's. If something happened to the president, we know that that Pence proved himself clearly to be able to be able to handle the job and be presidential. And Kamala, I mean, the, the endless litany of lies and the very fine people hoax that they just keep jamming down everybody's throat over oh and over gosh. again. I, it's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. So did you notice that neither one of them wanted to answer the question, hey, what happens if the old guy dies? Which <laughs> both I, I really thought Pence should just go. Look at him. He just got out of the hospital for coronavirus. Look at him. He's going to put me into the grave. You know, and if he dies, if a president dies, the Constitution spells it all out. We don't have to have a conversation. Now, on the other hand, yeah. Joe Biden, I mean, he, I was surprised that he didn't take that on because Donald Trump does not strike anybody as 75 years old. Look, I think we can all agree, you know, that Pence is probably not the funniest guy in the room, you know, but he had a real, you know, this isn't somebody that works on humor. He's he's definitely, you know, pretty scripted. And I think in, in this regard, his strength is actually being able to stay on message and, yeah, and yeah. kind of clear. And that's why he won. But I agree if he would have just done something a little kind of sly, maybe with like a little bit of a wink and just been like, you know, Trump just walked out of the hospital. He says he feels better than he has in 20 years. I think we're going to be OK. I actually think that would have shown a little more humanness with Me Pence too. because that that is his one thing that that the stiffness with him, um, I think, is is off putting to some people. But but that aside, I think he completely mopped up this debate. Oh, I, I, he seemed to have the facts and he kept to the economy, which is really what the average person cares about. Um, when you look, and, and I asked this earlier of Don Jr., the beginning of the, beginning of the debate, I thought, oh, Pence is going to look smarmy and just like, you know, a typical ah, politician. You know what I mean? Where he's just like not really answering the question and well, thank you for inviting me and thank you. And, you know, let me tell the American people. 
And I thought, oh my gosh, the first five minutes was just, uh, I thought it was going to be a horror show. Then it changed. Do you think people who are like what you used to be like, where you, you I mean, a long time ago you were, you know, crazy leftist, but you're, you, you know, you're not. True. You're, I can't deny it. Right, yeah. I know, but you're, but you, you, five years ago or however long it was, you started to ask questions. And I think a lot of people are asking questions on the right and the left. Do you think there was a clear choice uh, or do you come to this with the bias of your own side? Well, I would say more than anything else, it depends where you get your news from because we are in a reality war. Why is it, why is it that Joe Biden can tell you he launched his campaign because of very fine people on both sides in Charlottesville and then Kamala Harris can repeat that tonight? Everyone knows it's a lie, but when I say everyone, it's only everyone if you watch The Blaze, if you watch you know, shows like mine on YouTube, wherever, you know, if you watch alternative media, you might see that right before Trump said very fine people on both sides, he condemned the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists, and he was talking about people on both sides of the monument debate mm-hmm. and what you should do with, with monuments and statues. So the idea of, the, the question really of, well, can you move people depending on where they're at beforehand? Well, it really is completely a function of what they're watching and what they're listening to. And I'm thrilled to say, I know The Blaze has absolutely been killing it, which is which is why we upped our, our relationship and what we're doing together. And voices like ours are starting to come through. And you know, I, I played the, the clip on my show and I just tweeted it out of Trump saying the thing about very fine people on both sides. And I tagged Jake Tapper and I'll tag all of these CN gun guys. Guys, do your job so that we don't have to. But you're not only burning down your own industry, you're burning down the Democrats alongside of you. And, and you guys all are Democrats. It's like, just do a little bit better. And then a lot of us would, would have to work much harder, I think. Let me ask you the question that I asked the, the last two. What the hell do they know that we don't know? They are just marching down this crazy left road. They, it's coming unraveled at some point. If Donald Trump wins again, it's all coming undone for them. Yeah. Um, and they're not doing, they're not canvassing. They're not going door to door. What is it that they know? They're so confident what is it? Do they believe the polls or do they know something we don't know? You know, these guys, and I, and I know this from my days as a lefty, they, they always double down. When they're proven wrong by something, they use that as proof that they're right, actually. So it's like if Donald Trump is president right now, which last I checked he is, you would think that they would have done an autopsy last time, four years ago, and say, is there something we did wrong here with the messaging? Right. <laughs> Maybe calling half of America racists and bigots and homophobes wasn't the best idea. But instead, what they did was they doubled down on it. So I think, and, and by the way, this is very much a function of what critical race theory does. You know, it's not just that you can be non-racist, you have to be anti-racist. You always double down on everything. And because they've gone so deep in that, and that, of course, was also the risk of calling Trump Hitler the whole time. 
if he doesn't turn out to be Hitler, you can't turn around and say, whoops, that was a that was a mistake on that Hitler thing. You know, I, I really guess I misjudged Hitler. Um, so so that's what we're up against. But, you know, I'll ask you something because because you've been in this game longer than me. I mean, what I'm amazed by is the is this thing about the media and how they they let the lies go over and over. Like, what do you think is going on in the mind of someone like Jake Tapper, who I think is at least somewhat decent on CNN? Not great. Because nobody's great over there. But I actually used to like Jake Tepper. I I used to think he he was very fair and reasonable. Um, I worked in that building. I worked at CNN. Yeah, you you did CNN. You did you did uh, Fox. You did the rest of it. Like, what do you think is actually going on in their heads when they know that the clips are there, and yet they refuse to acknowledge it? I think they believe that they are right about Donald Trump, and they feel a little bit guilty about making such a big deal out of him and um, and take not taking him seriously as a candidate. They were mocking him the whole time. So they're like, we're not going to they feel they have to correct their own mistake. Yeah. Um, and they actually have convinced themselves that they are right. And as long as they're right, that he's a danger it doesn't matter. We have to find a way to get people away from him because okay. we're saving the republic. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think that's probably ballpark right. I mean, I'll tell you one thing, Glenn. You know, the idea that Susan Page, I, you know it's tough to be a moderator. Sometimes it's tough to be an interviewer and you don't ask the perfect follow-up mm-hmm. question or you drop the ball on right, this or right. whatever it might be. I, I'm always very upfront about that. I'm sure I've made mistakes in interviews. There's no mm-hmm. doubt. Um, but the idea that Kamala Harris, there were several lies she threw up there, including the tax thing as well, but, but that she could say the very fine people thing and that Susan Page doesn't say she knows, like, you know, she oh, knows, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone knows. So that the, would be just such an obvious one. The just suckers, obvious. the suckers and losers lie. The, yeah. the green new deal lie. It the green was, new deal. And the I fracking, think that's the fracking thing. Yes. She knows. Come on. That's where. That's where Donald Trump lost it last time. I mean, um, Chris Wallace came out before the debate and said, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to correct anybody. Well, then wait. So then they can just get away with anything. And then I have to correct. And I think he he was pissed that they were just lying and Wallace wasn't doing anything. And I think he just lost it and was like, you're not getting away with that. Um, and it, that, that doesn't work uh, for, for, for him or anybody else. Um, Man, can you imagine what it would be like if there was no alternative media right now? I mean, can you possibly imagine, the, you know, we're in an information battle as is, and as I call it, a, a war for reality and a war on reality. But can you imagine if the ability for us to share these clips and have these conversations just went away, and by the way, big tech would be more than happy to take it away from us. I mean, it would be a world that you cannot even imagine at this point. It would be or Russia. You don't want to it would imagine. be the old Soviet Union. Let yeah. me ask you one last question. I, I said the other day, when people, when people say you know, the capitalists are going to be the first to uh, have their back against the wall this spring when we win. And, uh, you know, they'll and be I'll facing the... I'll videotape it. Yeah, and they'll be, vi- they'll, they'll be shooting us. I said on the air, you have to take these people seriously. They mean it. 
I don't think the average Democrat does, but the mm. average Democrat is not running the Democratic Party anymore. I really believe, Dave, that you and I, we are going to have a dot-com for a while, and that you will have to know our address and go to us. We will not be able to reach out beyond our own dot-coms uh, if we're allowed to have that. Do well, you believe that's what we're facing, an end to much of America's freedom and, and losing our voices if this goes wrong? Well, look, it's, there's no doubt that that is what we are staring in the face. You know, every year that there's an election, everyone says it's the most important election. This one really feels like the referendum on does the American experiment continue or not? Yeah. You know, you can go, look back to any other election we had, Obama versus Romney, Obama versus McCain, George W. versus Gore. It's like, okay, they were basically in the same ballpark. Maybe one had a little more hawkish foreign policy or one right. wanted a little something different on taxes. But the basic paradigm was America's a fundamentally decent place. And we just have, a, we have differences. I don't want to say marginal differences because often they're deep philosophical differences. But we have, we have differences within the idea that this thing and the founding documents are good. What we are up against now is a force that says it is not good. And if you are a Democrat, and as you just said, there are good Democrats, if you are a Democrat and you believe that this experiment is good, if you think that Biden and Harris are the ones that can protect it from what's coming after them, I, I think you're just sorely mistaken. But I'll give you the silver lining on this, which is the more that social justice infects these systems, infects these institutions, infects these big, te big tech companies, you know, ravages through the Democratic Party, it will destroy these things too. So I think the challenge for, for us and anyone watching this is to figure out ways to build better institutions and better companies, build mm -hmm. new tech companies, build new universities, build new media institutions. Yeah. We've been around the block. We can do it, and I have nothing better to do. Yeah, me too. I'm trapped at home. I have nothing better to do than <laughs> save the world, you know? My gosh, you're, and you're in California. They're going to staple that mask to your face soon. Dave yeah, Rubin. You saw the, wait, you saw the thing where now if you're out with your family, they want you to eat and then put the mask on and then take the mask in off. In between they, bites, you're supposed That's how are you still there, Dave? Move to Texas. I'm Move. a glutton for punishment, Move man. Move to Texas. Thanks so much. God bless. See you, God. Uh, Dave Rubin uh, from the Rubin Report. Everybody you're seeing, in case you don't know, are all part of the Blaze TV, plus Mark Levin and Steven Crowder. I urge you, we need your support. You know, Dave just said, build a better media company. That's why I started the Blaze. Um, and it has taken us a long time to really start to get all of the great voices together. And we're still just at the beginning. But if this goes wrong um, this November, I do believe we're in trouble and you're going to need to come. You're, you're not going to hear these voices anywhere unless you go to Blaze TV or a place like Blaze TV. If you'd like to subscribe, just use uh, what's the promo code debate and you'll save 20 bucks uh, right now on your year's subscription. The, uh, the programming is great. But the cause and what we're doing is greater. And we need you to have our backs. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the um, promo code debate. Let me tell you uh, one last sponsor here for us, and that's Relief Factor. If you have pain 
and it's debilitating, you and I have something in common. Um, I had pain for 10 years. It was so bad. I, I mean, I tried absolutely everything. I almost tried witch doctors. I almost did. I didn't think anything was going to change my pain. And I, three years ago, almost gave up and said, I can't do it anymore. And um, my, uh, my wife said, you got to try Relief Factor. And I'm like, Ugh. she's like, it's an advertiser on your show. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, that doesn't mean anything. And uh, because I wasn't taking it and I wasn't endorsing it. It was just an advertiser on the blaze and uh, it's all natural. And I thought, that's not going to work. It's, it's a, it's an anti-inflammatory. Oh, give me ibuprofen 800 doc. Slow down. That's a little strong. That stuff never works for me. I am telling you three years into this, two and a half years into this, I have my life back and I'm out of pain and it's because of relief factor. So just try it. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. Why? Because it works. Do it now. 1995 for the quick start. Just see if it changes you. Lose your pain. Gain your life back. Relieffactor.com. Okay. Um, I was going to, you know, yap about a whole bunch of stuff, but I've got three hours to fill. And I'm a little sleepy, quite honestly. So we will see you tomorrow on radio. Thank you so much for watching and supporting Blaze TV. And we'll see you tomorrow on radio and then next week for the next presidential debate, which gotta be fun. Gotta be fun. Good night.